4: Getting you ready for the day in sports betting, this is Point Spread Sunday on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome to Point Spread Sunday here on VSIN as you can cap the NFL draft. Look forward to the major baseball schedule and the NBA playoffs. Move on to the conference semifinals. We'll do it all here. On Point spread Sunday. Welcome. I'm Meg Mark Sino. Thank you so much for joining me. We appreciate your Sunday morning with us here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Uh, a lot to do here today as Chris Thurston uh, of Wager Talk will join us, Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus, as we recap the NFL Draft. A lot going on there, and that's where we'll start today because a lot of teams made a lot of improvements in the NFL Draft, and you start to you know, look at all these draft grades and look at teams that did X, Y, and Z Uh, and try to evaluate where they are. And, of course, later on in the show, we'll look at futures and how they've changed since the NFL draft, as some of the numbers have moved on some of these teams. But it was a wild first round in the NFL, nine trades in all in just round one alone. And you start to look at some of the winners and some of the losers, if you will, uh, not only from the first day in the first round, but the entire draft. And, again, I'm not much of a draft-grade guy as far as measuring what teams have done. But if you look at it purely from a betting standpoint, the way the first round went, you know, Derek Stingley going number three overall and the first cornerback being selected was probably one of the more profitable bets out there. As a lot of people had Sauce Gardner, Ahmad Gardner from um, uh, Cincinnati as the top cornerback. And it was that way leading all the way up to probably the last 48 hours before the draft. And then some money started to come in on Stingley as uh, some of the reports started to fly in that he was going to be the guy. That was number three overall. That was super profitable. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau staying inside the top five. You know, a lot of people thought he might fall, that he would parachute out of the top five, maybe even the top 10. And you start to look at some of the uh, uh, places that he could have gone. Both the offensive tackles, Eke and Evan Neal going back-to-back at six and seven. And Drake London being the first wide receiver off the board. Many people had Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson as the top wide receiver off the board. Drake London uh, was a guy... That goes first uh, as the first wide receiver to the Atlanta Falcons. So, And then, oh, by the way, seven wide receivers in the first round taken, which was uh, a record at that point in time or at this point in time now. Uh, And and it was crazy. I mean, they were going like they were going out of style Uh, when you look at all the wide receivers that were coming off the board here uh, in the first round. So it was very, very um, fast and furious. Uh, throughout the first round. But I look at some of the teams that I thought did really, really well uh, and teams that I thought really made a a huge impact on their roster. And the first one that jumps to mind, and we'll talk about them at length you know, later on when it comes to futures, is the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, I, I love the way they built their entire draft. Uh, and I know that when you talk about the draft itself, it's not so much those drafts, the, the, those players, because they only had five picks. But they managed to pick up, obviously Jordan Davis, the big guy. They get Kobe Dean, both of those players from Georgia. Cam Jurgens, the center out of Nebraska, that they picked, starting to solidify some of the offensive line. Uh, and then the sixth round, they had two picks that you know from from schools that were players that most people haven't heard of. But it's not that; it's just going out and they, the way they acquire AJ Brown uh, and bolster that offense. And now you have an offense with Devonta Smith, AJ Brown, and they clearly have gone all in on Jalen Hurts. As their quarterback, and I think they now are a great team to win the NFC East. I love what they did in the way they built it uh, through the draft and acquiring AJ Brown. So I think the Eagles were a team that really continued to uh, to build the right way uh, and, and make the most of their multiple first round picks. You know that's why you acquire them because it gives you the flexibility um, to be able to make trades and impact trades. And the Eagles did exactly that. I thought they were a big winner. I thought the Baltimore Ravens had a fantastic draft. I, I mean, an incredibly sound draft from the Baltimore Ravens, as you would always expect, because, you know, Eric DaCosta and the Ravens, they are one of those teams in the NFL that does it right every year around the NFL draft. And this was a team that traded back, got more picks, uh, and then was able to trade back up into the first round again and, and, and acquire two first round picks out of it. And just the, the wheeling and dealing from the, the Ravens is unreal, um, the way they go about things. And and they got two top players at their position. They got the number one safety on the board in Kyle Hamilton, and they got the number one center on the board in Tyler Lindebaum. And and that is exactly a medical what they do. And oh, by the way, outside of getting David Ajabu from Michigan, and I know he's got the knee, uh, and he's gonna not gonna be able to start the season like on time with everybody else, but still, you know, this is a player uh, that can be a huge impact player on a Ravens defense that typically always uh, is very very sound, and then they had six fourth round picks on day three, and and that's where the Ravens really make their money. That's where they're as good as anybody uh, when it comes to it, and, and and they filled out a bunch of holes on their roster in the defensive secondary, um, on the on the offensive line. They picked up two tight ends, which sounds a little bit crazy, but when you look at this Greg Roman offense, um, they they used them all. Remember. At one point, they had Hayden Hurst, they had Mark Andrews, and Nick Boyle, all three of them. And it's a big part of their offense. So it's not surprising that they took two tight ends. And they get Tyler Beatty, the running back out of Missouri, um, which was a very talented kid. Uh, They get him in the sixth round uh, overall. And again, this is another team that's sort of restocking in that department. You know, they have J.K. Dobbins and uh, all the running backs that they've had to cycle through. And Dobbins coming off the injury might be a little bit of a security uh, blanket here for them from a running game standpoint, just to get some fresh legs in there with Dobbins coming off the injury. So I thought the Ravens were another team that did really, really well uh, when it came to uh, them, you know, addressing a lot of the needs. Everybody knows the Jets had a great draft. Uh, Joe Douglas hit a home run, obviously, with the players that they got in the first round. You know, they, they they had two first round picks with the Jamal Adam trade. They had a second extra second round pick with the Sam Darnold trade. So they get sauce Gardner. They get Garrett Wilson, and then they move back in around round one to get Jermaine Johnson, who fell all the way to 26, which was a shock to a lot of people. They were just projected to be a top 10 guy. Most people had him in the top 10 to 12 picks, and he ends up going all the way to 26, and the Jets scoop in and get him. The real question with the Jets here is, and, and, and again, these draft grades, this is why the draft grades are something that I think could be a little bit of fallacy. How did they do in the draft is one question. How much did they improve their team? and their ability to win football games and their ability to win a division is an entirely different question the jets did not improve their ability to win their division Um, they're still on paper right now the fourth best team in the afc East behind buffalo miami new england uh and so they still have a ways to go as far as uh their chances to make the postseason but they made the most of their draft Uh, again after they get those three picks in the first round they take Brees hall from iowa state very talented, skilled running back. Um, they get Jeremy Ruckert, the tight end out of Ohio State, in the third round. And then they pick up two fourth-round picks, including Michael Clemens, the DM from Texas A&M. So, you know, this is a, a very good draft for the New York Jets and filling a lot of holes in a lot of positions of need. And I thought they did a very, very good job in doing that. But, again, I, I, I don't know that they got any better um, when it comes to their chances to win. So when you look at NFL futures, and we'll do that later on the show, it's still not a bet that I would make uh, with the New York Jets. Uh, a team that people thought had a good draft that made me scratch my head a little bit was the Seattle Seahawks. Look, I, I, I thought they had a good draft when you look at the first three or four picks or first three or four rounds that they had. Uh, they get Charles Cross. They certainly need the offensive tackle help. Uh, Boya Mae from Minnesota. Omafe Mae. I'm not sure which one it is. Of course, Kenneth Walker, they pick up another one. But it's weird because they have like three running backs under contract right now that they're paying like almost $12 million to, and yet they go out and they draft Kenneth Walker. I guess they think he's going to be a home run guy and going to change their offense. They get more offensive tackle help with Abraham Lucas out of Washington State in the third round, and then they get some cornerback help with Kobe Bryant from Cincinnati. Uh, But the one thing they didn't do was address the quarterback situation, and they had plenty of opportunities with two picks in the second round and a pick in the third round, to go out and get one of the quarterbacks. Uh, and, and Desmond Ritter became the second quarterback taken with the Falcons late in the third round. And the Seahawks had a chance to to get any of those quarterbacks before the Falcons did, and they didn't do it. Uh, and so I'm kind of curious as to, you know, what Seattle is doing as far as the quarterback position is concerned. And maybe their whole logic is to just stink it up this year with Drew Locke and Geno Smith. And then go get one of the guys next year, I I guess. um, That's always a philosophy, but I I don't like that philosophy at all because the idea of knowing where you're going to be able to draft next year and knowing how things are going to play out uh, and who's going to be the top quarterback and who isn't, uh, the only guarantee you can have in the NFL draft is that you're the number one overall pick. It's the only guarantee you have. Other than that, there is stuff left to chance that you can't eliminate the variables on. And so uh, if they're looking at getting a quarterback next year, I suppose they said that they can wait. But you're never going to be able to rebuild until you figure out the quarterback situation. It is step one in the rebuild handbook of the NFL. Rebuilding for dummies, rebuilding one-on-one, the first assignment, go get your quarterback situation solidified. And I don't know that they have it solidified with Drew Locke and or Geno Smith with whatever they're doing in the first round. You know, again, uh, I, I thought the Seahawks had a good draft as far as the draft itself is concerned, but it's not one of those things where I look at them and I go, they improved vastly or they they started to accelerate their rebuild after the Russell Wilson trade because that's exactly what happens when you trade a player like Russell Wilson. You are 100% starting a rebuild, uh, and that's exactly what they did. So uh, I thought the draft went really, really well. It was fun and exciting, uh, and when we come back, we will start to look deep a little bit more into some of the other teams that had good drafts and had bad drafts, some of the puzzling questions around uh, the quarterbacks that did not go until deep into the third round. We'll discuss all that coming up next. Of course, Chris Thurston of Wager Talk, uh will join us to recap the NFL draft as well later on this hour. we got NBA playoffs coming up. we got a full slate of Major League Baseball games today as well on Point Spread Sunday. There is so much to do. I appreciate you guys starting your Sunday morning with me here on Point Spread Sunday on v Okay, when we come back, again, we'll look at some of the other teams that didn't do as well as many people thought in the NFL draft and some other winners that we liked right here on Point Spread Sunday. I'm Mark Zeno. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-O. You're watching and listening to Point Spread Sunday. You're on v the Sports Betting Network.
2: Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
3: Oh, such a
1: clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it.
3: This
4: is Point Spread Sunday on v the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday here on v the Sports Betting Network. I am Mark Zinno. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Continuing on here with our number one on Point Spread Sunday, my good buddy Chris Thurston of Wager Talk and the Hustle Show Pod will uh, join us coming up here in a little more than 15 minutes. Plus, Uh, We have NBA action to get to uh, in the NBA playoffs today. Two games starting in the conference semifinals. We'll look at all of the NBA playoffs and what is left now that round one is complete, done, and over. We'll do that here as well, plus Major League Baseball and a whole lot more. But heavy draft talk here as the NFL draft completed right in Las Vegas. And it was a heck of a show, at least from a TV standpoint. You know, I thought Las Vegas did an amazing job at putting on the NFL draft and really, kind of making it a huge grand event, uh, at least for the first round. I'll say some of the silly stuff that the NFL does, like just call the picks out, man. Like when you get to day two and it's Friday night and you're trying to actually enjoy the draft and there's just too much hijinks and too many people running up on stage that you don't know and too many, too much military fanfare and all, all that junk and just get up on stage and call the picks, man. Make life easy. Like th- There's no reason for all the extra uh, fluff. Uh, When it comes to the NFL draft, the the people and the fans and everything else, I think are great. And certainly the pockets of fans that were there were a lot of fun. It looked like an amazing environment. So congrats to Las Vegas for putting on a heck of an NFL draft. And when they have it there again, you know that they will. Uh, It'll be every bit as cool as uh, as it was this first time around. But let's focus real quick uh, on the quarterbacks in this draft, because so much was made of you know, when they were going to go and how they were going to go and who was going to be the first one. By all accounts, Malik Willis was supposed to be the top quarterback off the board. That's how he was rated by a lot of people. And the real question is, would he stay inside the top 10? Would Carolina take him at six? Would Atlanta take him at eight? Would Seattle take him at nine? Uh, And if not, where would he go in the first round? And I turned around, and I was somebody who said prior to the draft that if he didn't go in the top 10, I felt like he wasn't going until the late 20s. Um, And most likely it'd be a situation where, Somebody who's going to sweep back in and grab him at the end of the first round, a la what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson several years ago. Boy, was was I wrong. Boy, was everybody else wrong. Um, I mean, I did have Kenny Pickett mocked to Pittsburgh, and we'll get to him in a second. But Malik Willis falls all the way into the late third round. uh, And I don't like to make sweeping indictments about where a player is drafted um, because sometimes GMs, uh, let the draft unfold in front of them. And uh, they are willing to look at a player and go, well, here's here's my round grade on them, and I'm not going to take them before that round. But sometimes the drafts unfolds in ways that you can't predict. And a lot of teams probably felt that, well, they passed on them in the first round, and none of the quarterback needy teams traded back in to get them in the first round. So they all were content to wait till the second round. And then in the second round, you know, all these teams passed with their first chance. The Falcons passed, the Panthers passed, the Seahawks passed. And it was like, well, if they're not taking them in the second round, guess what? Uh, and the Falcons were a team that had two picks in the second round. They don't have to, don't have to take them until the third round uh, unless somebody was going to make a trade. And the real question is, and that was the gamble and the roll of the dice, was that if we don't take them in the second round, Will a team like Seattle swoop back in and take will a team like Carolina swoop back in and take him? Would a team like New Orleans, you know, use their pick. And so, you know, particularly the Falcons who drafted Desmond Ritter with as the second quarterback, you know, after they take Arnold Epi Epic, the guy from Penn State, no one can say his name, Epikiti whatever it is. Somebody help me out and hit me up on Twitter. Tell me how to pronounce that name. But Penn State fans, don't be mad at me. Uh, Arnold E will call him regardless after the Falcons took him with their first pick in the second round. And then the Seahawks had back-to-back picks at 40 and 41, and they passed on all the quarterbacks. The Falcons knew that they were in a position, and the Panthers didn't have a second-round pick. The Falcons knew that they were in a position, and go, we don't have to take them right now, because is Seattle really going to give away draft capital? And if they are, for a team that was starved for picks, if they were willing to do it, um, then fine. You tip your cap and you let them do it. And I think that's part of the reason why these guys fell right? I mean, it it was Atlanta and Seattle who prioritized other needs over quarterbacks at the top of the second round, because these are all top 50 players uh, in this NFL draft, and they said, well, we need to get more. These are teams that in rebuild mode, so they need players. They need starters more than they necessarily needed a mid-level quarterback, and so that's kind of the way it went down, Uh, and I don't necessarily know that it means that any of these quarterbacks, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, or Desmond Ritter are going to be bad uh, where they were drafted. I think it just means that the way the draft unfolded allowed teams to wait even longer. Clearly the Steelers didn't wait on Kenny Pickett, but I would tell you this, and I've said this since, since he was drafted in the first round, if you want to make a wager and see if you can find a prop out there of, of over or under number of games that Kenny Pickett starts, I would absolutely hammer the under. And the reason I'd hammer the under is because I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers will treat Kenny Pickett the exact same way they treated Ben Roethlisberger, and they took him seven overall, not number 20 overall. And I understand times have changed and things are different, But I don't think there's any intention whatsoever to put Kenny Pickett in the starting lineup barring an injury. And that's exactly how Ben Roethlisberger cracked the starting lineup his rookie years. That Tommy Maddox got crushed in a game against the Ravens that the Steelers ended up losing. Ben Roethlisberger came in the rest of that game, finished it, Steelers lose. He went on to win every other game for the rest of the regular season. So uh, history was made, and that was that. I think that's the exact same plan. If the Steelers are anything— they are consistent, they follow a formula, they follow a model, and they don't deviate from it. Um, and that's a spot where I think it is every bit of Mitch Trubisky's job as the starter. There is zero intention to try to rush Kenny Pickett along. They are more than willing to let this kid grow. I think they believe in his talent, but they're also going to say, we don't need to make it. We had Ben Roethlisberger falling apart last year, and, and we dragged him to the playoffs. The roster is good enough to make the playoffs, and I don't necessarily know that starting Kenny Pickett makes that roster any better as opposed to Mitch Trubisky. I think they are one and the same at this point without having seen Kenny Pickett do anything at the NFL level. And what you know of rookie quarterbacks typically in the way they struggle, I think it's a wash, whether it's Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky. And if that's the case, then play the veteran and let the rookie sit back and learn for a year. And I think that's smart. Uh, I think that's really, really smart. As far as the other quarterbacks, Desmond Ritter, um, you look at uh, – He goes to the Falcons. Malik Willis ends up with the Titans. And oh, by the way, the hell are the Titans doing? Has anybody figured out? I saw Titans fans losing their mind all over Twitter. They trade away A.J. Brown. They've paid Ryan Tannehill money that they can't get out of. Uh, They have nothing left on the offensive side of the ball other than Derrick Henry, who was coming off a foot injury and a really bad uh, AFC division Round playoff performance, which in fairness to him was expected. The guy was not healthy enough to play, but he sort of rushed back as a decoy and It failed them as they lose in overtime to the Cincinnati Bengals, who go on to win the AFC and lose in the Super Bowl. That said, I'm not really sure what the Titans are doing. Um, I I don't know if the plan is to eventually get rid of Ryan Tannehill. I don't know if the plan is just hand the ball to Derrick Henry 35 times a game and run him into the ground until he breaks. Uh, I don't know what their plan is. Remember, they lost Corey Davis, who was the compliment to A.J. Brown. He went off to the Jets. Now A.J. Brown is gone. I don't even know who the heck is catching balls for them, but they did draft a wide receiver in the first round um, with their trade with Philadelphia, uh, as they go out and they get Traylon Burks from Arkansas, which is great. But uh, I, I don't know. I'm struggling to figure out a team that was easily supposed to win their division and a heavy favorite to win the division um, now, and I get not wanting to pay Aj Brown. I do understand that honestly. Um, the way wide receiver contracts are going right now, I 100% understand getting Traylon Burks over A.J. Brown. You get younger, um, and you don't have to pay as much, and you can sort of keep that salary cap flexibility to go out and build. But um, drafting Malik Willis is questionable um, with the situation that you have at Ryan Tannehill. I mean, how quickly are you trying to move off that contract? Are you Are you drafting him to sit back and – I guess – I mean, for as highly touted as a prospect as Malik Willis was and the ceiling that he has, I have a hard time believing that he was meant to be a project that you're sticking on the bench. Uh, it Just something about that doesn't square, especially with a team like Tennessee that's sort of uh, feeling like they're in win-now mode with their their window for winning that's a little bit open more than other teams. Uh, as they have been to the AFC Championship game recently, they made the playoffs three years in a row. Like, it's, it's a weird pivot uh for, for them to figure out. Um and then of course the Panthers, they select Matt Corral, who I think is going to be the best quarterback in this draft uh out of all of them. I, I wish the Falcons would have taken him. It's a team I cover here in town. I thought he would have been the guy they would have like. I think he's got a, a much higher upside. I think he's got a big arm. Uh the only thing I would say for Matt Corral that I would be a little bit of a concern is that he had Lane Kiffin as a play caller and a schemer. And that's a huge advantage. Um Lane is one of the best schemers and play callers in all of football, college or pro. And so he gave Matt Corral a lot of uh, things that he might not have had and exploited a lot of weaknesses in other teams. Is that a little misleading to the NFL level? Maybe. Um, it's hard to figure out 100%, but I think that Matt Corral uh, has got a ton of talent, and he, and he is a quarterback, again, that can use his legs. that we forget about that, that Matt Corral, before he had that, that ankle and foot injury last year, lower leg injury whichever one it was you know he was a guy who was running around all over the place um he was a dual threat quarterback and i think he'll be that again at the nfl level we'll see if carolina um wants to try to use him to push sam donald to be a little bit better all right coming up next we're going to get into the nfl draft my good friend chris thurston of wager talk stay with us right here on point spread sunday on vcin the sports betting network Is Point Spread Sunday on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with Heineken's 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken beer. Made better. 21 and over only terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Mark Zeno. Appreciate you guys starting your Sunday morning with us. We'll get into the NBA playoffs coming up here in a little more than 15 minutes. Don't forget about a full day of Major League Baseball uh but joining us now to continue our NFL draft discussion you can follow him on Twitter at @ctbets16 catch him on the Hustle Show Pod and Sports Map Radio it's my good buddy Chris Thurston joining us here this morning on the uh, point spread Sunday Chris good morning and welcome Mark
0: great to be here again thanks for having me it's uh you know a little exciting time right now the draft uh, just wrapping up we're getting into NBA playoffs and now NHL playoffs and uh yeah, things are coming along nicely and before you know it we'll be uh the pigskin will be tossing again. I mean, the first preseason game is slated for I think August 1st. So, uh uh really excited to be here. Thanks, Mark.
4: No, absolutely. Uh, and by the way, real quick side note. That, shout out to Notebook Wager J Camp for letting me know it's Eva, Kate, Eva Katie is the uh the, the Penn State linebacker's last name that I can't say. So, uh thank you very <laughs> much for uh for hitting me up there. But Let's start about the the draft itself uh, and who you thought did really well. Uh, I, was, I really liked, and there's a difference between teams that just have a good draft and teams that made their teams better. I think the Eagles did a lot to make their team a lot better. They acquire A.J. Brown. They make some impact picks early on in the draft. That's a team that I think that really is a good futures bet now to win the NFC East. But who do you like as far as improving their team and looking at NFL futures?
0: Improving their team, I, I hate to say this, but I think the New York Giants had a great draft. Yeah. Um, they get offensive tackle Evan Neal um, and then KV on Thibodeau, who was actually slated to go number one last year before all the pre-draft talk. I think he was very underrated. That was an absolute steal. He's the best edge rusher there there was available. He was my number one. He should have went number one. And I think the Giants get away with a Absolute home run. Not sure what they're going to do there. Uh, obviously, they didn't pick up the uh, the option on the, the quarterback there. So that's a little dicey. But I think the Giants did very, very well. New York Jets also do well. They get Garrett Wilson. He was my number one wide receiver to go. I was curious to see what you thought there, because I know you're an Atlanta Falcons fan. They take Drake London at eight. I was shocked that they passed on Garrett Wilson there.
4: Yeah, well, let's clarify. Uh, I'm a Giants fan. I live in Atlanta and cover the Falcons. So uh, my thoughts on Drake London were, I thought, look, I thought he was going to be the number one receiver off the board. I said that leading up to it uh, because I didn't think teams were going to pass up on his size, right? When you get a a body of a Mike Evans uh, that, that, is hard to duplicate in the nfl it's hard to find receivers like that and arthur smith had that with aj brown in tennessee he wanted that body type badly he wanted that 50 50 jump ball guy that was going to make contested catches because the falcons haven't really had that uh, you know since julio was in his prime calvin ridley wasn't that kind of guy and, and i think they knew that whether he comes back or not after you know his suspension doesn't matter i think arthur smith wanted that that kind of guy and that's why where drake london went i just think overall chris you know, the Falcons process, to me, seems a little bit flawed. If you're in a rebuild, you have to solidify the quarterback situation first. It's the only way to get out of a rebuild. See Cleveland, see Cincinnati, see Arizona. Once you get the quarterback situation figured out, guess what? Life gets a lot easier in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't disagree there. And uh, let's uh, go back to Philadelphia Eagles here, kind of going off topic. They, they signed in free agency yesterday after the draft. Quarterback E.J. Perry, who's a Massachusetts boy out of Andover, Mass. Uh, He went to Brown University, had an unbelievable East-West game. This kid's going to be very, very good, and it was a great signing. So I played in a golf tournament on Thursday, and E.J. Perry was there. My friend is his uh, NFL agent, and uh, they were doing, before uh, the golf tournament kicked off, they were throwing some balls. They were saying who could uh, run a route here. So I ran a route. Best route I ever ran in my entire life, Mark. Caught a bullet <laughs> pass from E.J. Perry. Uh, look out for this kid. I think he's gonna make some noise. So uh, yeah, the the Philadelphia Eagles had a great draft. Jets, Giants, but future that I'm looking at, Mark, is the Baltimore Ravens over nine and a half wins this upcoming year, and they had a fantastic draft. This is a this is a team. Last year, okay, they win eight games, Mark. As you know, with all the injuries they had, literally every single member of their secondary was out. Marcus Peters, probably one of the best corners in the league. He was out before the season even started. They lost both starting running backs, uh, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. They'll both be back. This team prides themselves on running the ball. John Harbaugh is old school pound that rock. Both of them will be back their whole secondary. It was all practice squad guys. This team is going to be phenomenal. Not to mention Lamar Jackson was hurt all year long. Tyrell Huntley did a great job of stepping in for him. I actually made a lot of money on the Baltimore Ravens last year. They were very undervalued. I didn't see much of a drop off. People think I'm crazy, but I didn't see much of a drop off between Lamar Jackson and Huntley. I think he did an unbelievable job there. He steps in. Remember, they lose a lot of those close games in overtime uh, because uh, John Harbaugh is going for er, for two. And right. er, sorry, he's going for two to not go to overtime because he's worried about his defense. That's going to be a whole different ball game this year. John Harbaugh has led this this Ravens team to the playoffs, nine of his 13 seasons. His players absolutely love for him. They would die for him. Patrick Queen, one of the best inside linebackers in the league. He's going to be an absolute stud. They get safety Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame in the draft, who I was telling you before we went on air, he was in my top five. I think that was a great pick. He joined safety Marcus Williams, Chuck Clark, and cornerbacks Marcus Peters and marlon humphrey this team is going to be very good the only thing that scares me and you kind of covered it up and you said it's going to be okay is the wide receivers they trade away hollywood brown they get another another number one one but rashad bateman's going to have to grow up quick and devin dumberly um these kids will be all right but lamar jackson is going to control this team like he always does he was hurt last year i expect this baltimore ravens to be very good
4: Go to the playoffs again, and I sprinkled some on the Super Bowl at 20 to 1, Mark. No, I a hundred percent agree. Uh, when I saw that number pop up at nine and a half and it wasn't double digits, uh, it was like free money. Uh and, and I said that on my Twitter account several times uh once win totals were posted, you know, last month. The, 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 the Ravens are the best team in that division. right now, they're actually the second favorite behind the Cleveland Browns. Um and when you look at some of the the prices out there, Cleveland at plus one eighty five, the Ravens at plus two hundred. And the Cleveland thing is a little bit shocking because I, do we have any clarity on how much Deshaun Watson is going to play this year? I don't think we do uh, in any size, shape or form. There's just too much, you know, question marks for me to actually back Cleveland, regardless of what their roster looks like. And I mean, their, their roster is super talented, but I like the Ravens to win that division at two to one. I think it's a really smart bet. I'll bet against the Bengals to make the playoffs this year. Uh, that to me, you know, again, they probably should have been eliminated in the first round. Last year in the postseason. Had Mike Vrabel well not had his head up as Keister, um, they probably yep. don't get out of that first round matchup and don't end up in the Super Bowl. So uh, I would fade the Bengals, but I'm with you 100% on the Ravens as far as uh, their chances to go out and not only win the division, but make a deep run into the playoffs. All right, a couple minutes left here, CT. Let's pivot. Uh, NBA playoffs. Just some quick thoughts here uh, reactions to the first round and where you're going in the conference semis.
0: Yeah, Mark. So as you know, we've been friends for a long time. I'm not a big NBA guy, but I've been getting involved a little bit this year. I'm on Sports Map Radio. I had to pick a- to win it all. And I actually took the Golden State Warriors. I have a t- nice ticket on them at 14 to 1 to win it all. So I'm sitting at the bar last night with a good buddy, and he tells me how he likes the Warriors to win the series. And I'm like, OK, well, the Warriors to win the series is minus 270. I kind of like the Warriors as well, Mark. I don't know if this makes sense to you, but this is what I'm doing. I like the Warriors to win the series, so I'm not going to lay 270 to win it all. I'm going to bet them today on the money line you could get them at minus 130. If they're going to win the series, I like them to win game one, right? So if they lose today, you're going to be able to get a, a lot better price than minus 270. So save some money. Bet the short price today on the Golden State Warriors on the road. This is a veteran team. We have Steph Curry. He's shooting 50% from the field right now. Draymond Green in his 10th year playing great, not to mention, oh, yeah, Clay Thompson, the other splash brother. He's back. Jordan Poole's been unbelievable. This is a great team that is very young. I expect the Golden State
4: Warriors to get it done, Mark. All right. Follow him on Twitter, at CTBet16. Again, Radio Hustle Show Pod. Chris Thurston, thanks for the time this morning. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks for having me, Mark. Appreciate it. All right, coming up next. Oh boy, We've got some NFL futures to talk about. We'll get to NBA, Major League Baseball as well. Stay with us. It's Point Spread Sunday here on Beeson Bees Sports Betting Network.
0: Yeah, I,
4: yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like You see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of it,
0: like that, see that.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came my room crying tears. Crying tears.
4: <laughs> I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what you know? I
2: told you? I said, I said, OG, oh, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? You didn't admit it. <laughs> Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
4: Is Point Spread Sunday on VSN, the Sports Betting Network? Welcome back into Point Spread Sunday here on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Mark Zeno. Appreciate you starting your Sunday morning with us here on Point Spread Sunday. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zeno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. As we finish up here, uh, our NFL draft coverage in our number one of the show, of course, with you until 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 a.m. out on the West Coast as the NFL draft wraps up and Las Vegas starts to slow down a little bit once again. Uh, But you look at some of the futures for some of these teams as far as what they have done in the draft and what, uh, you know, how how their odds have changed going forward. Uh, and, And a lot of this, again, you know, is sort of relative to what they've done, but you know, I I tell people routinely, when I'm looking at an NFL future, especially one that involves the conference or the Super Bowl, and I don't know that I would change any of my conference picks or my Super Bowl picks based off of what has happened in the NFL draft as much as I would the entire NFL free agency picture. I think that has a lot more impact on it, but I always tell people, you have to measure how quickly they can get out of their division because – if they can't win their division, that means they'll be on the road for every single playoff game. That's just the way the structure is set up right now. And so from that standpoint, you know, it's tough to win a lot of back-to-back road games in the NFL like the Bengals did last year where they went into Tennessee and won a game where they went into, um, I'm sorry, they, they they hosted the Raiders, but they went in Tennessee and then they went into uh, Kansas City to win another road game like that's not easy. Um, And so it's hard to win back to back to back road games in the NFL, especially in the postseason. So I always look at that first. Uh, And if a team can win their division, then yeah, I can back them in a future standpoint. Uh, As we talked about, the Tennessee Titans were the favorite heading into the offseason to win the AFC South. They are now plus 145 to win the AFC South. And the Colts are now a favorite at minus 105. They're one of the few teams that are minus money to win their division along with the Packers, the Buccaneers, uh, and and not even the Chiefs are are minus money because the AFC West is so stacked um, that everybody is plus money. So there there aren't a lot of teams. The Packers are another one, I think, that uh, also is plus money to win uh, or minus money rather than win their division. But, you know, again, you don't see many of those just because – it's not that clear cut, but the the Colts now are the clear cut favorite after the Titans ship off A.J. Brown uh, and they begin what looks like a little bit of of a rebuild. So um, you know that's one change. And again, I would still back the Colts at minus one hundred and five. You're basically paying even money. I don't think it's a bad bet. Um, Matt Ryan, with him being there, clearly has changed things for that team. Um, they were plus one twenty five. You know before the nfl draft uh the colts were so obviously you got a better price there but some of that has changed uh the kansas city chiefs do start to move to a little bit more of a favor to win the afc west after their moves in the nfl draft they're now down to plus 155 um to win that division and it's tight across the board the Chargers are at plus 240 the broncos are at plus 260 and uh the the underappreciated underloved by everybody but me Las Vegas Raiders at plus 700 who I still love as a bet. Um, the New York Jets for all as much as everybody's applauded what they've done, their odds have not moved at all as I've said they are the they are the fourth best team in their division. The Buffalo Bills are minus 180 to win the AFC East The Patriots and Dolphins are both plus 400 uh, and the Jets are sitting there at 20 to one to win the AFC East. Uh, they made some great draft picks and they certainly got their team. In better position, but I don't know that they uh, are any more likely to, uh, you know, to to go out and be able to win a division. Uh, they just have too too many things to to overcome. The Philadelphia Eagles, a team that I put a lot of stock into after this draft, they're down to plus two forty to win the NFC East. I love that bet. I love that number, almost two and a half to one. I'm getting comparatively speaking to the Dallas Cowboys, who are plus one hundred five, essentially even money there as well. Um, they made enough improvements uh, with AJ Brown for me to look at them and go. That's an offense that's going to start to change a little bit. The real question mark with the Philadelphia Eagles is the head coach Nick Sirianni. Um, what do you know about Nick Sirianni? What sort of, uh, I-, I guess you know, trends or what sort of you know feeling do you have that there's any level of consistency with the way he runs things? We just don't know at this point in time. He doesn't have enough reps under his belt as a head coach in this league and enough successful reps. For me to get a feeling of what he's trying to build and what he can do um, and make that that offense more successful. So uh, we'll continue to monitor it uh, as you go through this year, but just based off of the talent alone. And sometimes talent is enough to win in the NFL and what Philadelphia has acquired and what they have on offense. And remember, Philadelphia is one of the top rushing teams in the league last year. They, they're, start, they're starting to build an offense similar to what the Ravens had with. Lamar Jackson back in 2019 and 2020 um, when you look at you know kind of the the effectiveness of their running game and then how much they added in the past although I think that Jalen Hurts is probably a better passer than Lamar Jackson is particularly on the outside and I also think that this will be an offense that's more geared to throwing the football as opposed to what we saw with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson so I really like the Eagles at plus two and a half or, you know, plus 240, plus two and a half to one uh, to to win the NFC East. Uh, there's really nobody else to me that really uh, made any noise. I thought the Cardinals, by the way, we didn't talk a lot about them. But again, the Arizona Cardinals were a team that, that didn't necessarily have a great draft. Uh, when you look at what they did in the first round, um, you know, again, they traded away their first round pick to the Ravens uh, to get Marquise Brown. So you know they didn't have a first-round pick. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals didn't, but did they get better? Maybe. Um, and the, you know part of the part of the myth is, or at least the the logic is, is that when you get you know uh, a player like Marquise Brown and reunite him with Kyle Murray, well then you ha- you may have something there offensively that wasn't there in Baltimore. That he didn't have the ability to create in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. I don't think he's all that great of a, uh, of a receiver. That's just my opinion. You know, uh, I, I, people can, can choose to differ, Um, but they added uh, another tight end um, Trey McBride on day two. And I I think that's another weapon for Kyler. Uh, And you start to look at what they did uh, from a defensive standpoint, you know, and again, they had a lot of day two and day three picks, right? They, they, they passed off their first round pick and that's fine. But Cameron Thomas on the defensive end, Majai Sanders from Cincinnati. Uh, They add two bookend defensive ends to sort of bolster what was a very good defense already. Um, They add some offensive line help late. And I I think that this is a team now is Marquise Brown enough to put them over the top to win the NFC West. I don't know, but I like the number that I'm getting at plus 270. That's about the only thing I can tell you. Uh, they, I think they're as competitive as anybody else out there as far as winning that division is concerned. But uh, I would tell you that, again, that the 49ers defense and the Rams defense and all the talent that those two teams have um, may be too much for them to get to, to overcome, to get to the top of the division. But still, uh, at plus 270, it's not a bad price for them at all. And, and as far as futures you know, for divisions, I, I, that's really about it. I don't know that anybody else has changed really when it comes to winning the conference, uh, there is no real, I mean, the Colts have kind of moved up a little bit. Um, there's still too much, way too much public love on the Cleveland Browns. I'm not sure about why. And I get it with Deshaun Watson um, that he is going to clearly be an upgrade from Baker Mayfield, but I don't know. I just haven't seen him on the football field in a year and a half. So I'm not a hundred percent sure what I'm going to get out of him or what it's going to look like and how much he's going to play. If he's even going to be suspended by the league at all. Uh, so, you know, I, I would take the Colts right now over the Browns. If you're asking me to place a wager on a future, I would take the Colts future over the Browns. Uh, I, I think that they are extremely well coached and I think they've got all the right tools. And th- that was another team that had a really, really good draft uh, and had a really good weekend was the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, and part of that is that they watched the Tennessee Titans sort of self-destruct and implode and sort of give away a whole bunch of stuff that maybe they didn't need to give away. So Uh, Regardless, that's where we are uh, with NFL futures. Again, I I don't know that anybody should change their their minds on I'm sorry, conference winners and Super Bowl winners at this point in time, because nobody unless it was a blockbuster trade like we saw with Philadelphia, nobody really got that much better on the field uh, from a known NFL commodity standpoint, other than the Philadelphia Eagles making that trade the arizona cardinals so all right uh we have got uh the nba playoffs coming up next we have two games on the slate today i'll break those down both for you plus also look at uh the latest nba odds for conference champions and title winners that is coming up next right here on Vicent our hour number two as well we have a full major league baseball slate uh ben brown pro football focus is going to join us in the final hour of the show and of course i'll have all my plays for you guys coming up here before the end of the show. Thanks for joining me here on this Sunday morning on VSIN on Point Spread Sunday. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zuno. You're watching and listening. VSIN, the sports betting network.